Well, is everybody good today? Yes, sir. Everybody doing good? That's a pretty simple question. That a little verbal great. response, you know, would be. Yeah. Yeah, let's see if I can find what I'm looking for here. Well, this is my last Sunday with you guys. I hate to say, y'all are probably happy about it. Get the pastor out of here and we can go back to being the heathen. So, uh, but anyway, um, but I will say it's been fun. I've thoroughly enjoyed being with you guys for the past, what, four Sundays, I think? Three or four Sundays. And uh, it's been a lot of fun, and I certainly hope this material has been a blessing to you. Does everybody have your notebook and ink pen this morning? For those of you that don't, I hope you have a good memory. Uh, you can... That you, sir? That's me. Oh, Jake the Snake. <laughs> Jake the Snake. Um, I want to, we'll have you write down some things here in a minute. But let me do just a couple of minutes of review. And... Um, Last Sunday, I talked to ask you a question. Do you know how amazing you truly are? Uh, the answer to this question and the point of the question is that there has never been another you. There never will be another you. You are a one-in-all-history event. You are new to nature. You're one of a kind. That's each individual person in here. No one can really predict to what heights you might soar. And even you will not know until you spread your wings and start tapping the potential that's really on the inside of you. You may not be able to see your undeveloped potential, but it's there. And I believe for everyone in here today, it's enormous, amazing potential if you can tap it. I gave you some pretty amazing things about our human bodies I'd like to share that with you again uh, since creation vast numbers of your ancestors have been smart enough fast enough strong enough and courageous enough to survive famine plague predators and the worst natural disasters there's an instinct in every human being to want to survive so Though you may think of yourself here today as just merely an average person, you're actually the latest in a long line of human success stories. And it can even be more so if you will tap your potential. The hidden strengths you've inherited have no doubt been trying their best to emerge. And I want to encourage all of you today to let that out. Let your potential out. One man said the human mind is the fastest working coolest running, most compact and efficient computer ever produced in large quantities by unskilled labor. And that is a fact. Your amazing brain weighs about two and a half to three pounds. It's made up of about 30 billion uh, in cells called neurons. Each neuron is capable of handling approximately one million bits of information. The total number of bits of information that your brain can carry and function with virtually instantaneous is you'd have to write down the number one and put 65 
you'd have to follow it with more than 6,500,000 miles, miles of zeros. That's the capability of your brain. The number would stretch from the Earth to the moon and back more than 13 times. That's what everybody's brain in here has the potential of doing. <clears throat> I talked last Sunday about your body has approximately 30 or 62,000 miles of capillaries, millions of electrical warnings, uh, warning signals, railroad and conveyor systems, fabulous built-in telephone system, and a highly sophisticated audio-visual audio system. You're a fantastic animal, somebody said. A man can run 100 yards in nine seconds. He can run for hours without stopping. He can leap almost 30 feet. He can climb a tree. He can swim swiftly and far. The animals made for running can outrun us. The animals made for climbing may be able to outclimb us, but there's no animal that can do all of these things that we can do as well as we can. So just over 200 years ago, the average American died by age 35. Today, we've more than doubled that number. So your chances of a longer, healthier life is unbelievable and what you're going to do with all of that life well that answer is the only only you can determine that answer so write down in your paper today every day matters every day every day matters we'll give you the reason for that <clears throat> First of all, you need to live each day as if it's your last, because one day you'll be right. If you live every day as though it's your last, one day you'll be right. So let's talk about for just a moment, where are you on your journey? Does everybody have your smartphone with you? Get out your phone and, and pull up the little calculator if you have it. Multiply your age times 365. If you're 19 years old, multiply that times 365. If you're 20, multiply it times 365. I will give you your current age in days. Just about half of you don't really feel like doing this exercise. Is that what I'm seeing? Or Everybody else besides Emerald with a a Lazarus phone this morning. <laughs> a Lazarus phone. Okay. Subtract that number from 27,375. The number you just computed on your smartphone calculator, subtract it from 27,375. 27,375 is the number of days that covers the average lifespan. If you live to 75 years old, you will have lived 27,375 days. That's the average lifespan of a person now. So if you multiplied your age times 365 and subtract it from 27,375, that's how many days you have left to live. What's somebody's number? Charles, what's your number? You have 19,345 days left to live if you live to 75. Hannah, what's your number? Wingate. 
Cool. <laughs> she didn't do it because, or did you? Are y'all the same well, age, really? Anna Lewis? <laughs> All right. Hunter Tier, I mean, uh, Cole? Huh? Eighteen two fifty. Somebody else. How many? Casey does a real interesting thing with um, her kids, with Noah and Joseph. Um, I'll try to remember exactly how it works. She has marbles for each one in a container. I think it represents. Until uh, they reach a certain age, like age six or seven or something, or whatever it is. And every day she takes a marble out and puts it in another container and it shows her how many days she has left before she reaches this point with her boys. And every day to her it's a reminder of how the clock is ticking in the lives of those two boys. The same is true for us. My number, I did this calculation and mine's around 6,000. I don't have as nearly as many days as y'all do. I hope this helps you understand, not necessarily to look at your life in years, but look at your life in days. Remember last Sunday I talked to you about, you know how people dread Mondays and can't wait to Friday and dread Monday and only want to wake up Monday and all that kind of stuff. Mondays are one seventh of your entire life. Why not do something good with the day? It's a gift from God. So we talked about that last Sunday. So I hope this little exercise will give you a little more focus on the rest of your life. And if you do this, obviously every year, you'll see that number shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. So it's a reminder to do the best you, you can with the rest of your life. And today is the first day of the rest of your life. You can't live in the past. You can't let things that's happened to you in the past beat you up. You have to live life brand new every day. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, that the mercies of God are brand new every morning. God never runs out of mercy when it comes to you. He's always, he's always fresh every day, and so that's what the way we should live life as well. Write this down. What you focus on increases. What you focus on increases. Y'all know anybody, and I don't want to be offensive here today in any way, shape, or form, you know anybody that lives in poverty? Y'all know anybody that lives in poverty? Um, I'm talking about just absolutely no money and no job, and they seemingly don't care. They don't care about it. After a while, that becomes your focus. And so you figure out ways, you know, you, you pull off the interstate and get to the end of the ramp, and there's a guy standing there with a little cardboard sign. We saw one yesterday. I never give money to those people. They've been, too many of them have been tracked by other people and they walk two blocks and get in the Mercedes Benz and drive home um, or some nice fancy car. They're not always legitimate. But they begin to focus on how I can get something for nothing, how I can get something for free, how I can make people, other people take care of me so I don't have to work. But then there's other people that all they focus on is money and we talked about that last Sunday that life has to be balanced. You, you, you can't put all of your eggs in one basket. You have to balance out your priorities and keep them in check. But bottom line, what you focus on with the rest of your life will increase in you. 
your focus is what will be become more what you focus on so if you only focus on a health issue if you only focus on the fact that I have cancer then you'll probably die of cancer what you focus on will increase if you focus on your relationship with God it's going to increase if you focus on getting an education that'll happen if you make that your focus so bottom line life is too short to be cranky write that down life is too short to be cranky. <clears throat> Don't ever forget this. Attitude is a choice. Attitude is a choice. We create our own world by the way we choose to see it. You can blame your mama, you can blame your daddy, you can blame anybody you want that your life is terrible. You can blame it on the dog. You can blame it on anything you want to blame it on. It doesn't matter. But bottom line, your attitude about life is going to be your own choice and it's going to be your own personal responsibility to pick the right attitude about it. And oftentimes the way life will unfold itself to you as you begin to engage your career, as you begin to engage your relationship with God on your own without so much of the hands-on parental supervision that most of you have been accustomed to all of your life. As you transition away from that, you create your world and you create the way you see it by the way you choose to see it. So for the next five years, you can focus on fear, you can focus on worry, you can focus on problems, you can focus on being negative, you can focus on despair, you can focus on all of that if you want. You can focus on your personality deficiencies, you can focus on the fact that you don't have any friends. You can focus on the fact that my mom and dad were da-da-da, and my mom and dad this and that. Well, you can focus on that, or you can focus on being confident. You can focus on opportunities that come to you. You can focus on solutions instead of the problems. You can focus on being optimistic. You can focus on being successful. The choice is yours. Bottom line, the choice is yours. And if life doesn't work out for you and you end up at my age 58 years old you don't have a dime to your name not a friend in the world and you live in homeless under a bridge bottom line it's going to be because that was your choice you decided to do that there's too many people especially in this country we still have a great country of great opportunity there's people everywhere there's organizations there's companies there's all kinds of help out there that you can draw from if you want to but bottom line it's going to be your choice you have to decide that so life is too short to be cranky you choose if you realize you have personality issues if you realize you have work ethic issues you fix that you fix it <clears throat> I want y'all to see if I can get this thing off the wall I want y'all to look at this with me for a moment as a frame. And I'm the photograph. Y'all got that? I'm the photograph. How many of you have pictures of yourself in your bedroom in a frame? No one? <laughs> one? <laughs> That's just one person has a picture of yourself in a frame. Stacy does too. 
It's okay. I'm not beating anybody up. But I'm hoping every hand would go up so I can make a point. Does anybody have a picture of anybody or anything in a frame somewhere in the proximity that you inhabit? My word. Do you have a picture of your dog, your cat, a bird? Wow. Some How about your phone? You have any pictures on your phone? Do you have any selfies? <laughs> okay. I'll try this anyway. All right, here's me. I'm a picture in a frame. This is what you can do with life. Listen very carefully and don't ever forget this. I have pictures in my office, and we have pictures all over our house of our grandchildren. Imagine that. Often, often, on a regular basis, Sister Murph will do one of two things. She'll either change the picture or she'll change the frame. Y'all understand that? She will either change the picture and keep the frame or she'll change the frame and keep the picture. Y'all understand? Mm -hmm. Shake your head up and down as though I'm talking to real live human beings. Okay. Somebody can hang this back up after the class. There's a tremendous, tremendous concept in that. If you like you, but you don't particularly care about how your life has been since you've been on this planet, you can change the frame. You reframe your life. It's your choice to do that. You can keep the same frame of bad parents. You can keep the frame of an addiction. You can keep the frame of, I don't like where I live. You can keep that attitude, or you can change that frame and keep the picture. You keep you, but you just reframe how you see it, how you look at it. So every day when you look at that picture of you, it's got a different frame around it. Y'all understand that? Shake your head up and down like that if you do. Need some response to this question, all right? If you don't like you, but you have wonderful parents, you have a wonderful family, Keep the frame, but change the picture. Well, that went, I think it's pretty cool. I know virtually everybody in this room by name. There may be one or two that I'd struggle if you asked me what your name was, and I apologize for that. But most of you here today have a lot of reasons to fail. You have a lot of justifiable reasons to fail because your parents hadn't always been there for you. Virtually most people in this room could probably say that in one way or another. My mama didn't do this, my daddy didn't do that, or both. Or I grew up in a home where we didn't have a lot of money. Or if we had money, parents wouldn't spend it on me. We can come up with all the reasons we want to fail. I can. My daddy died in 1973. He told my mother in 1972, and I heard him say it. He said, babe, I'm going to work real hard next year to see if I can make $10,000 for the year. Now, we never went hungry, but I was accustomed to hand-me-downs and shoes that didn't fit, and I can give you a long sob story. My daddy passed away in 1973. His work car was a 1960 Plymouth, his work car. He never owned a new car, and he never owned a home. I can come up with all kinds of reasons today why I could have been a failure, have a crazy personality, and I'm not that educated. But I decided that I liked me enough 
And I don't say that to be conceited and arrogant. I don't mean it that way. But I felt like there was enough worth and potential on the inside of me. I changed the frame. I kept me, but I changed the frame. As a matter of fact, I even didn't like me in a lot of ways either, so I changed a lot of that. But I, it was my choice. That's the point. It's my choice. So attitude is a choice, so you decide. Third thing is to keep your word. <clears throat> I want you to write that down, to keep your word. I'm talking about what you focus on increases. Life is too short to be cranky. Attitude's a choice. Keep your word. Listen, folks. Say what you mean and mean what you say. You look the world, you look your life straight in the eye. You live and work with honesty, openness, and integrity. Keep your promises, and everything else is a piece of cake. Be honest with yourself. I've looked at myself in the mirror on many, many, many occasions and said, man, I do not like that guy I'm looking at. I'm not going to terminate him. I'm going to change it. And I live by that. Every single day I live by that, and I've been very transparent about my life. You keep your word. You say what you mean, and you mean what you say. Look the world straight in the eye. Live and work with honesty, openness, and integrity. Keep your promises, and you'll find that life will come to you. Write this down. Forgive everyone. Forgive everyone, especially yourself. Forgive everyone, especially yourself. I'm giving you things to focus on. What you focus on matters. What you focus on increases. Forgive everyone, especially yourself. Learn how to let go of past hurts. Jesus said, all of you are going to be offended because of me, because of Jesus. Jesus said that offenses will come. He said that. You're going to get your feelings hurt. More than likely, your feelings will be hurt the most by the people who love you the most or you think should love you the most. Your parents will do it. Your siblings will do it. When you get married and have kids, hopefully in that order, your kids will do it. People are going to hurt you. You're going to feel a knife pierce you through the heart. It's going to happen. Life is going to hurt you. You have to learn how to let go of past hurts. Feelings of resentment or revenge are worthless. When people hurt you and you determine, I'm going to cut you off or I'm going to get even, it's a form of revenge. That is worthless. All this does is drags you down. I know people today that carry a grudge towards me. Sometimes I think about it, sometimes I don't. They think about it all the time. It's wearing them out more than it is me. It's impacting their life more than it is me. The, one, the person that you want to have get revenge on or, or be resentment towards, they go on with their life. You're the one that's miserable. You have to learn to forgive everybody. Forgive everybody. Forgive the people that you love. Forgive the people that you don't love. Jesus taught this, and he taught it for a purpose. Learn to let go of past hurts. The courage to forgive and move on is so liberating. And make it a rule and write this down. Write this down. Always be the first to forgive, especially yourself. Always be the first to forgive, especially yourself. <clears throat> Now, 
And then the next thing to focus on that will increase your life is to move forward. Write that down. Is to move forward. Yesterday is a canceled check. Yesterday is not here anymore. Listen to Pastor today. The past, the past is not your potential. The past is not your potential. There are far better things ahead than anything you leave behind. Please remember that. Yesterday's a cancel check. Your past is not your potential. There are far better things ahead than anything you'll leave behind. So the next five years for you guys, this is what we're talking about five years from now, the next five years are a blank canvas. It's clean. It's bright. You decide. You decide the colors of paint you'll throw on that canvas. You decide what you're going to do with the next five years of your life. Is everybody with me? Y'all cool? Mm -hmm. Write this down. Quit worrying. Quit worrying. <clears throat> this is a very interesting statistic to me, and it's people who take the time to study this stuff. Is, uh, they're pretty amazing that they'll do this. But it's been estimated that 99 out of 100 things we worry about never happen. That's a true fact. 99 out of 100 things that we worry about never come to pass. Isn't that amazing? And people worry. Man, they worry. If you stop worrying about what might happen tomorrow, wouldn't that give you more time to actually enjoy and savor what's happening today? This is a kind of a stop and smell the roses kind of, kind of thing. Enjoy life where you are now, man. Make the best of it where you are now and quit worrying about tomorrow. You're not going to change it anyway. There's things that's going to happen no matter how much worrying you do or don't do. But as I just said, most of what you worry about will never happen. So let me ask this question. <laughs> I ask myself these questions pretty regular. What did you worry about six months ago? Can anybody think of something that you were worried about? All right, let's bring it a little more clear. Uh, Hannah Wingate just graduated from college uh, as a, what do you call it, sonographer. How much did you worry, I mean, signing up, you know, can I do it, will I make it, you know, am I smart enough, you know, can I study enough, da -da? how much worry went into that? And even when you were in school, you worried about tests and worried about exams and well, I graduate, da, da, and, and now she's graduated. So all of that worry was for what? Somebody said it. Say it again. Nothing. All that worry was for nothing. Those of you that are still in high school, <laughs> all of your worry, all of your worry about stuff, those of you that are in college, all that worry, I'm guilty of sin, man. We have these, I call it conspiracy Sundays, where about one-third of, of Grace Church will get together and say, let's all go out of town this coming Sunday and drive the pastor insane. And I worry out of my mind as how is church going to go. Uh, Father's Day was one of those Sundays, man. A bunch of our folks was gone. Had blowout church. And I worried for nothing. You see what I'm saying? There's no point in getting ulcers over things you can't control and you can't do anything with. So ask yourself, what did you worry about six months ago or a year ago, five years ago? How many of your biggest worries actually came to pass? 
Anybody think of something you're really worried about and it happened? Man, I am terrified. I'm going to get in a wreck tomorrow morning on the way to work and it happened. See, most of us live in a place where we worry about things when really we don't have to and we shouldn't worry about them. All right? Write this down. Be grateful. Be grateful. Grateful. I'm going to say something amazing to you guys here this morning, and you may believe it and you may not believe it. It doesn't matter. It's true anyway. Stop and view your life. Stop and view your life through the eyes of the other six to seven billion people on this planet. Stop and view your life through their eyes. There are literally hundreds of millions of people on this planet right now that would trade places with you if they could have your life for five minutes. And that is a true statement. Oh, but pastor, I'm so this, no, I'm so that. There's people in Baghdad, Iraq today that would trade places with you in a heartbeat if they could. As a matter of fact, well over two-thirds of our world went to bed hungry last night. Our life isn't nearly as bad as we think it is. We're spoiled rotten and we live in a microwave age. We want everything we want it now. But folks here in this country and people sitting in this room, you have it made compared by the standards, the lifestyle standards of most people on this planet. Be thankful. Develop an attitude of gratitude. I have ridden down the road in my car and say, God, I'm thankful for my home. I'm thankful for my family. I thank God for my church. Thank God for my automobile. I thank God for a pretty yard. I thank God for everything. And I don't do it enough. The Bible teaches to be thankful in all things. Literally hundreds of millions of people would gladly trade places with you right now. So be ecstatic about your life. Okay, i got to hurry. Uh, write this down. It's the little things. It's the little things. By the way, we're recording this, and it's going to go on our church website. So you can go back and listen to it if you want to. It's the little things. Thinking small is an art. Somebody called it the art of living, and it's thinking small. The happiness of life is made up of little things. The happiness of life is made up of little things. A smile, a helping hand, a caring heart, a word of praise, a moment of laughter that's shared with somebody. We're the most, we're the most alive in these moments. You're the most alive in these moments of the small things, the little things that, that you do. So focus on the little things. It's not always the big stuff that brings happiness, but it's everyday interaction with people you love, you like, you like hanging out with. It's made up of little things and enjoy those moments. All right, write this down and I'll conclude on this. This is gonna sound kind of crazy, but write it down anyway. Look for the second right answer. Look for the second right answer. We're oftentimes in life, uh, you will be especially, be faced with a significant problem or a setback when life just don't happen the way you plan. And look, through all this material that we've been teaching for the past, I think, four Sundays, you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have setbacks. Things aren't going to work out or whatever, and this is why you need to have a second right answer, and it's what we'll conclude with today. 
So faced with a significant problem or setback, many people simply give up on their plans or their dreams instead of treating problems as opportunities to be creative. When you listen, folks, I wish I'd have done this years ago. I'm just now catching up. Treat problems as opportunities to be creative. When you're faced with a problem, be creative. I've watched Casey do this with, with Noah and Joseph, and I, I have to be honest. I remember when her and Marcus were that age. I remember it vividly, as horrible as my memory is, I remember that. And I remember how I would respond to Marcus and Casey when they were that age. And now I watch how Casey responds to knowing Joseph at the same age. Her response is totally different from mine. I've watched her over and over and over. When Marcus and Casey would act like Noah and Joseph would act, I would want to correct them and sometimes even spank them for misbehavior. But Casey won't do that. She'll, she'll redirect them and come up with a creative solution on how their behavior should change. I've watched her do this all the time, and I'm like, how do you do that? But she, that's just a small, perhaps simple illustration. But when problems come, you use that as an opportunity to be creative. We do it in church all the time. Sunday school teacher will resign from her class. Yeah, it's a problem, but then we have to get real creative on who can we find to put back in that class. I use Sunday school as an example, but it happens in all the departments of our church. You have to be creative when problems come. You can't bury your head and roll over and die. Be creative and make the best out of life. So discover the success, if you will, in searching for the second right answer. Here's an example. Let me give you this as an example, and it ends up with a true story. Suppose you're all married. Well, let's take Chris and Hannah. They're, they're married. And you're planning to quit work and spend the next few years exploring the highways and byways of America and your brand new shiny RV. All right, you're going to go get you a brand new Airstream RV, whatever, and you're going to see all of America over the next several years. Here's the problem. Now that you're finally ready to head off into the sunset, you realize that the price of gas has skyrocketed. Besides that, you can't afford an RV. You've not saved nearly as much money as you needed. So what do you do? Do you just abandon that dream and quit and give up and roll over and say, forget about it and I'll never do it? There's a second right answer. This couple did this. This is what they wanted to do. They didn't have the money and they were too young to retire, so this is what they did. Daniel Ford, age 57, and his wife Becky, age 51, looked for the opportunity in their problem and found it. Instead of buying an RV and paying for all that gas, insurance, and upkeep, the Fords applied for a job as a long-haul truck-driving couple. Instead of traveling across America in a Winnebago, they hit the road in a fully equipped 18-wheeler. And instead of tapping their savings, as they had originally planned, they were actually paid to see the country. What can you say? It's a second right answer. Here's the principle. Always look closely for the second right answer. What at first appears to be a broken dream may actually be a dream come true. Somebody said your resources are always far greater than you imagine them to be. Never ask, can I do this? Ask instead, how can I do this? Y'all got that? 
life is doable, folks. Life is really and truly doable. And I want to say very humbly and very thankful here this morning. And I think about this often. Again, my dad never owned a home. And I grew up in a small two-bedroom house. And at the time we moved into that house, there was four or five kids living at home. So uh, it had two bedrooms and a little small den on the back of it. And uh, me and one brother slept in one bed, and another brother slept on a rollaway bed. And oftentimes we would fight over who got to sleep on the rollaway bed by themselves. And um, I doubt if that house had more than six or 700 square feet in it. I mean, you had to walk outside, change your mind. We didn't have a clothes, we didn't have a closet for our clothes. My mom and dad went to Sears and bought on revolving credit plan, whatever they called it back then, a metal cabinet similar to what we have in our Sunday school classes downstairs. And that's what we hung our clothes in. Our chest of drawers, we didn't have a dresser, our chest of drawers, um, I don't know where it came from. Some family member gave it to us. That's what we kept our clothes in. Um, Never had my own bedroom till I married. Um, if my dad saw my house today, it blew him away. He, he, he couldn't, he, he had never believed that even his own kids could have ever arrived at such a, a lifestyle. And all of our family's blessed. My siblings, they've all done well. Very thankful for that. I'm just, want to communicate to you guys today that if you're not happy with your life right now you don't have to stay there you don't have to stay there but it depends on how you look at it and if you plan carefully the next five years of your life it will launch you into the rest of your life with success and fulfillment happiness you're going to have setbacks and life's going to have its disappointments but they won't destroy you you can maintain your relationship with god there are success stories that I know, and I'm going to say this very carefully, but Hannah Wingate's mom and dad, tremendous. Her dad started off when they first got married as a shoe salesman at what used to be Godshaw's. And I remember people saying that he would never amount to anything. I've been told that I'm a loser. I was told that when I was about your age. But I decided and her dad decided, and I have a lot of respect for him for what he has done with his life and, and how God has blessed uh, her mom and dad. But you can do the same thing. You can do the same thing. It's hard, it's hard work, and it takes a lot of commitment, it takes a lot of dedication. You put God first, then you put your family first, and then you put your church first. And Jesus promised that all these other things would be added to you. Um, People, by the scores, have started out in very small beginnings but decided to make something profitable out of their life, and they did it. I've rejoiced with people in this church that when they bought their first home, I rejoiced with them. When they bought their first new car, I rejoiced with them. They're huge milestones, and it's not because you possess a home. It's not because you have a new car, but it's because that you took your life and you produced within yourself the ability to purchase that thing. That's what I rejoice about. So put your hand in the hand of God. Wrap your head around the Word of God. Let God be the center of your life and take the next five years and do the best you can with it and see if you don't look back and say, wow, well, I'm glad I do that. I did that. Get you an education. Get you a good one. 
pursue your dreams, pursue your career, and make God the center of your life. It's been a blast with you guys. I've really enjoyed this class with y'all, and I hope it's been a blessing. So do you have anything on it? <clears throat>